0: Galatians 1 verses 1 through 5. Say this. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from the present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray again. Lord, again, we just thank you for your goodness and grace. Thank you that we can meet together tonight. Lord, in safety, in freedom. And uh, Lord, we thank you for our country. Lord, we thank you for the great military that you've given us. Lord, we do pray for the leaders of our country. We pray uh, for their salvation, uh, dear God. And uh, Lord, even today, wherever our present vice president is, God, I pray you convict their heart. Dear God, and uh, Lord, if they've ever heard the gospel, work it in their heart or bring somebody into their life, uh, dear God, it would be a great thing to see them, uh, Lord, get saved. And Lord, again, we do pray for our missionaries. We pray for those with physical needs and other things going on in their life. Now bless the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, just a little review. Remembering uh, that Galatia was a Roman... Uh, a province, and uh, Paul went uh, through this province on his missionary journeys, and we saw that in Acts 16, and Acts 18 mentions that, and that uh, this book was written approximately 55 A.D., and that the key word in this book is liberty, amen? In this book, Christ is seen as our great liberator. And so, the spiritual thought of this book, again, is come to Christ for liberty and power, and a wonderful thought there. We know that the, uh, uh, the Judaizers had come in, and that's how it is. You know, a lot of these cults, uh, you know, they don't help anybody, but, boy, when somebody gets saved and somebody gets excited, then all of a sudden, you know, they'll come up and, and uh, uh, bring confusion into their life about uh, godly things and biblical, uh, biblical things. So uh, uh, it's an, an important that we get people grounded. And so we see here, Paul is—he's declaring and defending uh, uh, the gospel, right? Declaring what it is, and then the importance of defending it. Again, we need to do that in our time. We need to declare the gospel and defend the gospel. And uh, Paul clarified some things here. As again, in verse 1, Paul clair- makes clear his authority and position as an apostle, that it was not of man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. So again, in verse 1, Paul clarified his calling was not of man. In verse two, 12, Paul clarified his message was not of man. In verse 17, Paul clarified his authority was not of man. And so Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel he wasn't ashamed or intimidated to give out the gospel, and he wasn't ashamed or intimidated to declare what he was in Christ and by Christ. In Christ, right? Amen. He was saved. And by Christ, he was an apostle. And we don't need to be intimidated about what we are in Christ. Amen. We're a child of God. What we are uh, by Christ. Amen. Faithful uh, faithful servants. So, and then at verse 4, and again, I mentioned in verse 2, it said the churches of Galatia. Again, I always like it when it emphasizes the thought of local churches in places. More than one church in Galatia, the churches of Galatia. That's important to, to recognize when teaching on and thinking about the local church. So, in, uh, in verse 4, it says that He might deliver us. Amen. We are delivered by a person, not a process. Aren't you glad about that? Again, religion is a process. Salvation is a person. So it was God's will that we are delivered from this present evil world. Right? We talked about that. Delivered from it. Again, verse four: Who gave himself for our? He might deliver us from. Uh, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us. And so last week we talked about what the content of the gospel. What is the gospel? Right, we know it's uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Plus nothing, minus nothing. They're clearly laid out in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 and 4, the content. And then we said after that, people need to understand the content so they can be saved. But once they get saved, they need to understand again the intent of the gospel. Amen. Why did God save us? What's He wanted? What did He do in our life? What does He want to do? Th- through our life. Why didn't right after we got saved, why didn't he just knock us across the head and take us straight to heaven? Amen. Why? Because he has an intent, amen. Not just to get us in heaven one day, but to do something through our lives while we're up, up on up on the earth, right? He came to deliver us. That word deliver means literally to pluck out. Amen. That's what he did. The same thought, like when he when when God says it, Jesus says, better to pluck out your eye if it offend you, right? And so when he delivered, he plucked us out. Like it says in the psalm, amen, he picked us up out of the miry clay, set our feet on a solid rock, and established our goings. A good thought of that is in Zechariah 3 2, where it says this And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuked thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that had chosen Jerusalem rebuked thee. Is not this, look at this, a brand plucked out of the fire? I think it was John Wesley that said that about himself, right? He was just a, a brand plucked out of the, out of the fire. And so he, And that's what we are, amen? We're being delivered from hell. And so, listen. God didn't save you to keep you from going to hell, right? He saved you to glorify Himself. Just not going to hell is a is a wonderful byproduct of getting saved. Amen. You're not going to you're not going to hell, right? We believe in a literal hell. The Bible teaches one. And thank God that you don't have to go to that literal hell if you get literally saved. Amen. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we talked about the intent of the gospel. And so uh, the, I want to mention this. The, again, the intent of the gospel, among other things, like it's mentioned here, was again one, and this is a good thing to tell people, right? I told you the God content of the Bible. Now let me share with you a little bit of the intent of the gospel. The intent of the gospel is one, to you have a soul, spirit, and body, right? So the intent of the gospel is to save your soul, to quicken your spirit, And one day to change your body, right? He takes care of the whole thing. So he's going to save your soul, quicken your spirit so you can have that relationship now, right? Your life spiritually. Then one day he's going to change your body. And then also while you're on this earth to let Christ live through you, live through you on a daily basis. And again, there it mentions the will of God. This is the will of God. So here's another example showing, most, showing us that most of God's will is already written down, made known. We've talked about that. People say, I want to know God's will. Well, hey, 90-some percent of it, again, is revealed in the Bible. Are you doing what you know? Right? Go with what you know, and then God will reveal something else to you if he has something specific uh, 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 for you. Right? Just like it says, Acts 13, they were in the church. They were already doing what was revealed to them. And since they were doing what was revealed to them, God came by and revealed something else specifically for them, right? Separate me, Paul and Silas, right? And he sent them out. And so, uh, a wonderful thought. So, you say you want to know God's will? Well, again, are you striving to live what you already know or what's already been revealed to you in his word? Now, in verse 6, uh, uh, notice verse uh, 6, he says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. Uh, look at this. Notice the word, another gospel, right? Another gospel. In verse uh, 8, again, it says, if a man preach any other gospel, verse nine. The man preach any other gospel. So in verse six, it says another gospel. Verse eight, another gospel. Verse nine, another uh, uh, gospel. In verse eight nine, says let him be accursed. You know, uh, 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 I, uh, I want to look at a couple good illustrations in the Old Testament that give, sort of give you the thought. You know, of another another gospel it's kind of funny i was reading in second kings today and was happy to read uh, uh i think i read second kings 15 through 20 and in second Kings 16 it, it sort of gave a good illustration of somebody trying to get another gospel as illustration look at second kings second kings and beginning of verse 10 second kings beginning of verse 10 and i'll read verses 10 through 13 now what's funny is uh uh the uh, he, um Ahaz had called on the king of Assyria to help come deliver them uh, from Syria, right? And so he delivers them, and so Ahaz come to Damascus. Now, they had just defeated this people. Why would you want anything from a people that you just defeated that you knew knew anything about God? But look what happens. It says, and King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet... How would you like to have this name? Tiglath Pileser, if I pronounce it that right, you have to ask him when you get to heaven. Well, I don't know if he, I don't think he'll be there. I don't know. Hopefully he found something out, but look at that name Tiglath Pileser, right? king of Assyria, and saw, now look at this, saw an altar that was at Damascus, and king Ahaz sent to Uriah the priest, look at this, the fashion of the altar and the pattern of it according to all the workmanship thereof. And Uriah the priest built an altar according to all that king Ahaz had sent from Damascus. So Uriah the priest made it against the king uh, Ahaz came from Damascus. Now, verse 12, and when the king was come from Damascus, the king saw the altar, and the king approached to the altar and offered thereon. Verse 13 And he burnt his burnt offering and his meat offering and poured his drink offering and sprinkled the blood of his peace offering upon the altar. Now look, they already had an altar there that God had given them. But what's he do? He brings another altar in. And notice what he does in fourteen. Right now, here he had this altar that wasn't ordained of God. God had nothing to do with this altar. And he thinks just because he's offering the right sacrifices on the wrong altar. Well, listen, uh, but God didn't honor that. But notice in verse 14, and he brought also the brazen altar, which was before the Lord from the forefront of the house, from between the altar and the house of the Lord, and put it on the north side of the altar. Talking about the big altar that he just had built. And notice he brought also the brazen altar, which was before the Lord. See how that works? He brought this false altar there, right? That God God wasn't in it, but then he brought an altar that was before the Lord. You see, that's how those cults work, right? They bring all this false uh, truth in, but then they'll bring in just enough truth to try to get some credibility. (laughs) See how he did that? Well, I don't know, that, that we know that other altar's of God, so you know, how do we know this isn't from God? See, they'll bring enough in, he sets that other one next to this false altar just to cause confusion, right? Well, I don't know, which one, you know? And so he brings confusion uh, in, 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 into the camp. And uh, look at another one real quick. Turn over to Joshua 22. Joshua 22. We see uh, another example of that where you get some confusion. Joshua 22. Now, uh, you know this uh, uh, story, right? You remember that uh, uh, two and a half of the tribes uh, 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 were on the other side of Jordan. So, what did they do? They built an altar. We'll just look at verses 10 through 12. Joshua, uh, sorry, I'm in mean, Judges. Joshua uh, 22, beginning in verse 10, it says this. And when they came unto the borders of Jordan that are in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh built there an altar. Look at that. They built there an altar by Jordan, a great altar to see to. And the children of Israel heard say, Behold, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh have built an altar over against the land of Canaan in the borders of Jordan at the passage of the children of Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, uh, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered themselves together at Shiloh to go up to war against it. Now, of course, they thought they had built it, right, that they were going to do sacrifices there. And they said, no, we didn't build it for that. We built it just so that when people come and see that we're on the other side of Jordan and question, are we part of Israel, we we'll say, hey, listen, you know, this shows you that we're part of Jordan. But still, you know, it caused uh, it uh, caused confusion. They should have just went on the other side of Jordan and done the right thing where all of Israel uh, was supposed to, uh, uh, to live but you see you know uh, anything the devil can do to bring confusion into the camp he's going to do it and that's what happened with these Judaizers in Galatia right they tried to bring in another gospel and brought in uh, uh, confusion now here's the thing they were willing to defend that though I got to give them credit that those other tribes they thought something was being wrong and they were willing to defend it now listen if they were willing to go to war and have a silver war over just the type Amen? How much more should we be willing to go to war, if you will, and defend the true gospel? Amen? They had only times. We've got the true thing. We've got the real thing. And we should be willing to go to war for it. Amen? And fight for it and and, uh, defend it. So, you know, and so notice again, now in verse 6, he says again, I marvel that you're so soon removed. Boy, again, it's amazing how people get saved and sidetracked. Again, this is why people immediately need to get into the Word again. First uh, Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word. That means as soon as you get saved, right, uh, once one gets into Christ, amen, you need to get into Christ, then you need to get in the water, then you need to get in the Word, then you need to get into worship, then you need to get into witnessing, amen. That'll keep you, uh, keep you solid, but uh, uh, that's why people need to, to, to get into the word because, hey, they got saved and all of a sudden they got confused. So that's why we, we need to get people. You know, a lot of times I believe when people start walking down the altar, they're already saved because they've already turned their heart over the Lord. But that doesn't mean we say, well, you're probably already saved. You just go back. No, we want to show them Scripture. Because that, So when the devil shows up the next day and says, ah, oh, you didn't mean it, they can go to that word and it'll be an anchor in their soul and help them to know, oh yes, I did what that Bible said. See, their confidence is in the word of God. They did what the word of God told, uh, told them to do. So, and then it says again, any other gospel. Again, there are so many false teachings, so many false churches, denominations, right, that are put under the umbrella of Christianity today. And they are really presenting another gospel and accursed according to God's word. Now, you don't have to be an independent Baptist, but if you want to travel first class, I recommend you should be. Amen. If you're going to travel, you might as well travel first class. Now, but you don't have to be an independent Baptist, but like us, you must understand and believe the Bible clearly teaches about the gospel. Amen. You, may, you don't have to have the same name, but you do have to believe the same thing. Amen. So if you're going to believe the same thing, might as well have the same name. I mean, just go all the way there. Amen. Uh, but listen, it, it, you do have to believe the same. And you know, a lot of people put, uh, put more, a lot of people think Mormons are Christians. A lot of people think JWs are Christian, right? Just because, just because people walk around uh, uh, with a Bible or walk around with a cross, they say, oh, they must be uh, uh, Christians. Oh, no. Uh uh-uh. uh. If you don't line up with the book, you're not a Christian. I remember one time these Jehovah when I uh, I hadn't been saved long but these Jehovah witnesses were always knocking on my door in Germany and you know at, at first uh, you know maybe the first time or I I think I tried to be gracious the first time but finally they knocked on my door and I just told them I said listen the Bible says natural man receiveth not the things of God, neither can they know him, right? they are foolishness unto him because these things are spiritually discerned. You're not saved, therefore you're in your natural state, therefore you can't understand the word of God. So why should we discuss the word of God when there's no way you can understand it? Secondly, the Bible says if you preach in the gospel, you're cursed. Secondly, you're cursed. So, you know, uh, unless you want to stand here and let me give you the truth... there's really no reason for us to have a conversation. I just told them, listen, you can't understand the Word of God, so there's no way that we can uh, uh, intelligently discuss it. And secondly, you're not preaching the truth, so you're uh, accursed. And listen, and there's nothing wrong with saying that to them. You know, that doesn't mean you have to be mean or uh, have bad attitude, but just being straightforward, you're just telling them what the Bible says. Listen, there's no way you can understand this book, and plus what you're saying doesn't line up with this book. So one, you can't understand it to your accursed according to uh, the Word of God because God takes changing His message and His Word very seriously. We see that, of course, in Revelation 22, 18 and 19 which says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. And out of the holy city." and from the things which are written in this book well he says listen uh you mess with my you mess with my word and then he says listen uh if you preach unto god let him be a curse that literally means you know uh, uh, let, let, let you know uh, let, let him be uh, uh, let damnation be upon his head you know let him die and let him die and go to hell you know it's basically if you just said it clear and literally that's what it's saying that's what they deserve because they're out there preaching something that, man uh, is condemning people uh, anyways. But notice again, uh, verses 8 and 9. He says, but the we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel. Again, I say, if any man preach any other gospel. You know what this shows us that the authority is not in the person. The authority is not in the person. Just like, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the people, the Catholics think the, the, the authority is in the Pope. So if the Pope says it, it doesn't matter if it's in the Bible or not, because to them, the authority is in a person. A lot, in a lot of religions, the authority is in a person. Well, listen, uh, here it shows that just because Paul said it doesn't give an authority. Just because an angel said doesn't give it authority. Just because I say something, it doesn't give it authority. It's whether it's in the Word of God. The Word, of, What the Word of God says overrides anything I, I have to say, amen, if it doesn't line up with it, right? It's, it's the Word of God. That is our authority. So he's saying here, it's not about the person. It's about the message, right? It's the message that has to be right. That's where the authority is. As long as we're giving the Word of God, As long as the word of God's being preached, that person has authority. But when that person isn't preaching the word of God, he has no authority just because he might have a position. Amen. (laughs) The word of God overrides his position and his person, just like uh, uh, even an angel. Hey, he's got a good position but if he's not giving you the word the way you're supposed to, well, he has no authority just because he has a good position. Just Paul was an apostle, the great apostle. But just because of his position, that didn't give him uh, uh, the authority that, that everything he said was right. It only had the authority as it lined up, amen, uh, with God's, God's word and was directly from him. And that's important to understand. So as we, as we, as we see these things. So, in verse 7, though, another gospel, but I like it. Verse 7 says, which is not another gospel? Which is not another? There is not another gospel. Just like we saw there in those Old Testament illustrations, there's not another altar, right? Hey, you, uh, hey uh, uh, tribes, you might have built this altar, but you can't sacrifice on this altar because there's not another altar. Oh, hey, I don't care if you're the king or not. You brought this altar and you set it here next to the, uh, uh, the temple or whatever. Just because you set it here, there's not another altar that God recognizes. Just because you stuck it in the house of God doesn't mean that God's going to recognize it. That's important. He brought that altar there. And just because he set it in the house of God doesn't mean God recognizes it. Just because you, you know, uh, uh, set it in the house of God and, and put something that God did ordain next to it doesn't make it of God. And a lot of things, just because they're going on in a church, doesn't mean that God's in it. (laughs) Just because, you know, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's got, again, it's got to line up with the word of God. That's what gives it authority, right? There's no other gospel, just like there was no other altar, just like there's no other Jesus. There's no other Jesus. I love these verses, Acts one eleven. I love this verse when, when Jesus is ascending into heaven and the angels are standing there and it says this in Acts one eleven, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, amen, which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you've seen him and go into heaven. Aren't you glad, amen, that one day somebody's gonna appear in heaven and it's not gonna be another Jesus, amen? The same Jesus that died and shed his blood and was buried and rose again the third day, the same Jesus that gave his life for you is the same one that's coming to get you one day, amen? Aren't you glad there's not another but the same one? I like what, in Acts 2.36, it says this, therefore, Peter preaching here says this, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, amen? That Jesus, right? That same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. There's not another one. That Lord and Christ, amen? The creator in the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God, amen? And the same was with God. Right? All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Right? That same Jesus, amen, is the one that died for you. There's not another, there's not another gospel. There's not another Jesus. And what a wonderful, blessed truth that is. Verse 10, he said, For now do I persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. I should not be the servant of Christ. Listen, he said, if I yet pleased men, listen, our, 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 our responsibility is not to please men, our responsibility is to reach men. All right, listen, we want people to like us, hey, I want to be liked. I want people to say, oh, man, that Jeff, he's a nice guy. I hope people say that. I don't know if they do, but I'd like him to say that. But that's not my first job. My first thing, amen, is not to please them. My first job is, is to reach them. Paul understood that. That's why he said, would you count me your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. Because his first job wasn't to please them, his first job was to reach them. That's why he said that. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you the truth, whether you like it or not. I hope you like the truth. I hope you like me, amen. be nice to get together and have a cup of coffee, but my first responsibility is to reach you with the gospel and tell you who Jesus really is, what he really did for you, and that if you don't believe on him, you're going to die and you're going to bust hell wide open, and that's the truth. And if you're going to count your enemy because I care enough to tell you the truth, well, I'm sorry, that's just the way it's going to be because my first responsibility is the to please you is to reach you my job is to please him and I can only do that as I preach uh, the word of God as he's called me to do and so he says listen I'm just letting I'm just letting you know amen our job is not to be uh, uh, politically correct socially correct or popularly correct amen our job is to be biblically correct that's what God has called us to do because remember this because who you try to please is who you're servant to because that's who you're yielding to. If you're trying to please man, well, that means you're yielding to what they want, and so you're their servant. So we want to be his servant, so we've got to do what pleases him. Verse 12, he says, for I neither, he says, uh, but I, for, again, verse 11, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man, right? For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. God, Jesus Christ revealed it. Paul, that word revelation means to disclose. Paul said, God disclosed these things to me. Just like he did John. We have the book of Revelation. We understand what revelation means, right? When we read the book of Revelation, what are we seeing? We're seeing all the things that God disclosed to John. Amen? Revealed to him. And Revelation 1.1 says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent them and signified them by his angel unto his servant John. Right? He revealed these things unto John. And so God revealed previously unknown truths or mysteries concerning the gospel to Paul. Paul said those things. He said these are mysteries that before hadn't been known, but God revealed them unto me. So we see that his again his message uh, re- revealed. I like and then he, I like this. Where I'll try to hurry up here, but verse sixteen, I like this statement here. Well, go, go ahead and look at verse fifteen, where he where he talks about how he got saved. But when it pleased God, when it pleased God, maybe just you know maybe that shows there's an you know we, we always think about there's an appointed man there's appointed a appointed man who wants to die amen, but maybe there's a appointed time that God uh, chooses to work in somebody's life. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Look at verse 16. To reveal his son to me. I love that statement. To reveal his son to me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred, not with flesh and blood. But notice that statement. It says he revealed his son to me. Now, what that ver- here's what that word reveal means. It means, to, it means to reveal, it means to remove a veil or a covering for the purpose of exposing or putting in open view what that was before hidden. Amen. He said, He revealed to me, right? He said, Listen, uh, uh, before that time, he said, When I was out there, he talks about being zealous for his religion. Well, who Jesus Christ really was was hidden to him. But amen, on that day that he met Jesus Christ. On the Damascus Road, and it was revealed to him that veil, amen, was lifted up, and uh, Jesus Christ, amen, was clearly revealed to him, and he had to make a decision. Lord, he knew whoever that was, he was Lord, but he didn't know who he was. Lord, who art thou? Well, I'm Jesus Christ, who are you persecuting? Oh, okay, now he understands who he is, now he had to make a decision. And so, listen, uh, you you see a wonderful picture of this thought, Right uh, In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, because that's what's going to happen to Israel one day. It's going to be revealed to them who Jesus Christ really is, and the veil's going to be lifted, just like it was on Paul as an individual that day. Right? This is exactly what will happen to Israel one day, and it's a good illustration of what happens when one gets saved, or like when Paul got saved. Second Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse 13. It says, now it's talking about the veil, using it as illustration, the veil that's over Moses' face. And not as Moses, which had put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded, for until this day... Remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Look at this: which veil was done away in Christ? He said he was re- he revealed his Son in me. Right when Christ was revealed to me, that veil was lifted, and I saw who he really was. But see, they still have that veil when they read the Old Testament. But I love this uh, these these next uh, two verses. But even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Talking about Israel as a nation. But look at verse 16. Nevertheless, when, notice that word. When it, talking about the heart of Israel, shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken out of the way. Now it's important that God, the way he put that in there. Because the Calvinists would be saying, see that's what happened. God just comes by and reveals the son in you and you're saved. But notice what happened before he was revealed. Look at, look at that verse again. When was the veil removed? What happened before the veil is removed there? Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken out away. Once the heart turns to the Lord, amen. Once, once faith is activated in who Jesus is, then the, veil, the, then the veil is gonna be be lifted for for them. When was the veil removed? Once the heart, amen. Uh, 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 turn. What a turn. What a, what a wonderful thing that is. One day that's going to happen to the nation of Israel, but thank God for the day it happened in uh, Paul's life. He revealed his son in me. I understood who he really was and that day, thank God, I got saved. Well, we'll finish with that. He finishes up with his testimony in verses 23 and 24. It says this, and he, he says, verse 21, "'Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia.'" And was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea which were in Christ. Verse 23, I like this. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past preached the faith which once he destroyed. Now, in verse 23, it says, What did he destroy? He destroyed faith. Now that word destroyed is also in verse 13, but it's translated wasted. He says, I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. So, uh, right? So, uh, 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 what, what did he try to destroy? What did he try to waste? Two things, the church and faith. <laughs> and and, and what's, what do what people try to destroy? Boy, they want to go after the church. And the boy, why? Because they want to destroy our faith. Amen. Uh, they're still attacking the church. They're still attacking our faith. And so, but I like this. He says, but they had heard only that he which persecuted us, what? In times past. In times past, he says, but now, you see, the gospel is a life changer. It's a game changer. It's a direction changer. Amen? <laughs> he says, boy, in times past, this is what I was. Boy, think back. What were you in times past? What did you do in times past? But, oh, thank God, but now, amen, he says this, in times tell that's what I used to do, but now, amen, I'm preaching the gospel, which once I destroyed, he said, God changed my life. Thank God, you, I don't know what you did in times past, but you know what, right now it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what you're doing now. Amen, you're a faithful servant. You're a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful thing? It doesn't matter what you were in times past. It's what you are now in Jesus Christ that matters. And you know what, when they saw that change, I like this, verse 24. I like how this ends. They glorified God in me. What a... What a wonderful thing. Hey, it's good to glorify God, but it says he, they glorified God in me. He said, man, boy, did God make a change in that life. You see, how, how they glorify God? Well, because they recognized and gave honor. That's how you glorify God, amen? You give him honor, right? They recognized and gave glory to the transformation God had made in Paul's life. They said, wow, look what God did. Did in that man's life bless his holy name, amen. For what he did in Paul's life, amen. Well, we ought to that's how excited we ought to be when somebody gets saved, amen. Bless his holy name. For what he did in Karen's life. Amen. Bless his holy name for what he did in your life. Boy, that's a good thing. Amen. They they glorified God in me. We want to have a testimony that that, that there was such a change in our life. Amen. And we have such a love for the Lord that people say, man, God did something in that person's life. And they glorify God. Amen. Not you, but for what God did. Uh, in your life man you could there's a there's a lot probably get a couple more pages of notes out of that chapter right there but what an exciting thing to see what Paul uh, did in God's life and amen I'm glad amen there's not another gospel I'm glad there's not another Jesus and you know what there's not another book amen let's pray